You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, for the second day in a row, I have to offer an apology for being uh, technologically dumb. Finish the podcast, and I get uh, Kevin King news. And I was like, oh, shucks, I just missed the Kevin King news. And then I upload the podcast, except I forget to hit that final little button so it doesn't actually get uploaded. And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, and I'm on the phone talking to a buddy about my new house and everything, and he starts talking about a podcast, and I was like, wait a minute, did I post the podcast? So hours later, I get downstairs and I upload it. Like, oh, finally. Then several hours later, somebody reaches out and they're like, um, did you upload the same podcast as yesterday? So I was done with the podcast at probably 8 o'clock in the morning, and at 2.30 in the afternoon, I realized that I had uploaded the wrong podcast. So probably by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I got the correct podcast up, by which time everybody's like, this guy's an idiot. This is two days in a row that I've listened to his podcast, and this is just not something's broken. So, um, you know, it's uh, everything's all better now. If you missed the last two days or whatever, they are two new episodes fully uploaded and everything else. I'd explain what happened, but, um, you know, taking shortcuts, man, it, uh, it'll, it'll get you. Even minor shortcuts, but I don't think it's all that interesting to explain. Hoping today's a little bit better. Um, so obviously the big news today, Kevin King. And um, because it's, it's a day that ends in why Packer fans have found a reason to fracture and, and fight each other over it. And you know what? This one's worth fighting about. It really is because I'm, I'm kind of on both sides of it and I'm, I'm ready to start punching myself in the face. When the news dropped, I had kind of settled into the fact that they probably would sign Kevin. I shouldn't even say probably. If they did, it wouldn't be surprising. I don't know what percentage, you know, 50%, 90%, 40%, I don't know. But it wasn't super surprising. The $6 million surprised me. Now, I don't know if it's the same kind of $6 million like Aaron Jones got $12 million or like Preston got $16 million. I don't know, and I haven't seen anything. You know, I know last time it came out relatively quickly that uh, this is the structure of the contract. We haven't really seen anything. I would have to say I'd be really surprised if it's just a, a straight-up $6 million deal. Like, you know, one year you get $6 million fully guaranteed or whatever the, the, the thing would be. probably wouldn't be fully, but you know what I mean. Like, as long as you're playing, you're getting $6 million. Because, I mean, look, he's just not, he's not worth that. He's not. And I listen, I know that there's reactions and then overreactions and then overreactions in the opposite direction. But listen, for people who are just beside themselves, here's the situation. And I, you know, I am the captain of the anti-Kevin King club. I've, I've come around a little bit 
But I was the one saying Kevin King's no good two years ago when everyone's getting mad at me. Like, you're an idiot. He's just, when he's healthy, he's so good. He just has been hurt when he's healthy, which I just, I, I'm telling you, don't say that to me. If there's anything that's going to cause me to go on a four-hour-long research thing, you know, researching every stat in history just to make you look stupid, it's when you tell me when he's healthy. Stop saying that. There are like two people on planet Earth who are elite but are just hurt all the time. And even if that's that, even if that's, that, that's the case, it's a stupid argument because the guy's hurt all the time. How does that help your argument? Well, when he's healthy that two times, he was pretty decent. So what? He's not healthy ever. But that's not the case with Kevin King because Kevin King has been good like twice ever in his entire career. And I'm, I'm and, and the only reason I'm going further to this side is I go on Twitter and there's there's people who are overreacting in the wrong direction saying Kevin King is actually very good. It's like you guys are you are going to send me right back to it. I haven't been I don't think I was mean to Kevin King once all last year outside of the NFC Championship game when he was just a complete joke. And even at that point, I was so defeated. It was just like, I don't know, the, the team played like garbage. They suck. I, you know, let's just uh, slip into a depression for a day and then get over it. And I did. So he kind of blended into everybody sucks. But it's, it's, it's just blatantly false. It's not true that he's ever, 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 ever been good. That includes 2019 when he had a bunch of interceptions because interceptions are a stupid stat. They really are stupid. Yes, it means something in the moment, but let's let's just... Uh, I'm kind of all over the place. I wanted to kind of ease into these things, but I can't because I'm getting a little fired up right now. Kevin King in, uh, let's see, 2019 had five interceptions. Five. He played 916 snaps, and you're going to get me all worked up about nine inter- or five interceptions. He's a good player because of five plays out of 916. Dude, this ladybug is always chilling by me. I'm not going to lie, I haven't been very kind to him, but he, he keeps coming back. It's like, all right, you know what? You can just hang out with me. If you are one of those Japanese guys, though, and you bite me, I'm going to smash you like you've never been smashed. I don't think he is. And he's just hanging out. I, I don't know. He's not coming by me. He's just like, I don't know. I just want to be on the desk by your right hand when you're on the podcast. I'm like, fine, dude, just sit there. But. You're kind of weird. That's all I'm saying. But five interceptions out of 916 plays is 0.5% of all of his plays, which, I mean, fairly simple math because he played almost 1,000 snaps. That's roughly five in every 1,000 or one in every 200 plays was really great. Now, that's not to say that that's he never had any other good plays outside of that. That's not the reality. But you can't hang an entire season on five out of a thousand plays. That's insane to me. Well, how could you say he was bad? He like led the league in interceptions because it was five because the answer to your, because the number that you're referring to is five. I got another number for you. 904. You know what that is? That's how many yards the guy gave up that year. Nine, almost a thousand yards. He gave up by himself. That was the third highest of any corner in football. And that's a more interesting stat because it encompasses every single play, not just five. It's a little bit more of a play-to-play basis. Any stat that is like five, including sacks, sacks are silly. That's why pressures make more sense. You got some players that are up, up near 100 pressures. Sacks are, are fine, and they're, I mean, they're big plays, so they matter. But when you're talking about you know a number that's like 10 out of 700, okay, 
Show me 80 out of 700. Now we're talking. Now we're getting something a little bit more useful. Logan Ryan gave up 1,098 yards. Vernon Hargreaves gave up 955. Kevin King, 904. That was 2019. By the way, Kyle Fuller gave up 887. He was fourth. Just thought I'd throw that in there for everybody that is all upset about Kyle Fuller, who, again, had really one good year, and that was when the Bears, everybody on that team was really good, and then everyone went back to being trash, except like the four guys that are actually kind of good. So as long as we look at this rightly, right, Kevin King at least gives us a baseline. The team is not going to be worse than it was last year. Hopefully it's a little bit better. There's also a slight chance that Kevin King thrives in this kind of a system. He's playing much less man coverage, which if you watch that NFC Championship game, you probably got a pretty good idea. He probably shouldn't be doing a lot of man coverage, right? Keep him in a small, confined space, and if anybody goes deep, just let the safety take care of it, okay? The guys that are really good at stuff, let them handle it. Not to say that that's exactly how zone coverage works, but generally speaking, this is your area. If you see somebody in that area, kind of run at him a little bit, you know? Maybe he'll thrive. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he won't. I doubt he gets worse because, and and I wish PFF would add this, to look at a guy, you know, grades over a span of years, because I'd be shocked if there are too many corners that have been worse over four years. And again, 2019, yes, his grade did go up a little bit. Dude, all right, now you're under my finger. Now you have to go away. All right, you cannot be under my finger. Like, what is that? Oh, it's the ladybug, like under my hand. Come on, man. Loneliest bug in the world. I'm sorry. Go find a ladybug friend. I'm not your buddy. Get You know, I'm sorry. I'm sure my kids will put you in a jar upstairs if you want to go upstairs. They'll give you leaves to eat and stuff. But yes, 2019, his grade did go up a little bit to a 62. The guy had five sacks and still, or five interceptions and still, uh, five interceptions, 11 pass breakups, and still graded out as barely average, which kind of goes to tell you something. Probably that he was targeted 88 times and caught, allowed 53 receptions for 904 yards and four touchdowns. Guy allowed 315 yards after the catch. That's like as many yards as Jair gave up the whole year this past year. Legitimately, 353 is is the total yardage that Jair gave up, including the postseason. Kevin King in 2019 gave up 315 yards after the catch. But yes, he's injured all the time. That's a problem. Yes, he's bad even when he's healthy. That's a problem. No, he's not worth $6 million. He's just not. But again, it is a one-year deal. It is one of those things where the Packers are kind of sitting there saying, look, um, this is our bad. We should have drafted somebody. You know, you can only do so much in the draft. You can only draft so many guys. You can only hit on so many players. This is why you draft positions that aren't necessarily needs sometimes, because eventually it becomes a need and uh, then you can just move on. But the Packers are like, look, we don't have somebody waiting in the wings. We're very, very thin at the position. We've got nothing. Kevin gives us a baseline and, um, If we can put him on a one-year deal, which is all it is, right? Everybody that's all jumping up and down like, oh, see, I thought he was bad, but the Packers gave him a bunch of money. What's up with that? Dude, Kevin's 25 years old. If the Packers really liked him, they'd give him a three- or four-year contract. This is a one-year deal. Ball out, and we'll consider extending you. Like, legitimately. And by ball out, I don't mean five interceptions. I mean play well on a play-to-play basis and prove that this scheme is what you needed And we'll give you an extension. We'd love to have you around. But if you don't, you're gone, which is why I still think they're going to end up drafting somebody. But that's another benefit of bringing Kevin King back. It's It's not dire. Without Kevin King or without another human being in that spot, it's pretty bad. Now, it doesn't have to be Kevin to be in that spot, but it is. That's just the way it worked out. It worked out for everybody. There's a familiarity and a comfort level. And again, there's a baseline. 
it's it's not going to get worse than than down here. But again, I it's hard pressed to find somebody that's going to be worse than that. And I saw somebody, and again, I'll I'll omit the name, but um, another Kevin King truther saying something to the effect of Kevin King is better than he was in the NFC Championship game. First of all, um, who cares? Because he still did what he did in the NFC Championship game, similar to. Rashawn and Zadarius and Preston and everything like, you know, it might be one game, but it's also the most important game. And you guys have done this every single year, two years back to back. You guys just suck in the NFC championship game. And that kind of is not great. It's not great. And so, yeah, that's problematic when it's just that game, but also no kidding. He's better than that. It's no different than that scene in the office when Andy's like spilling soup on himself and pretending to be drunk. Robert California is like, Andy, you're better than this. He says, I know. He says, everybody is better than this because this is the worst thing ever. That's what we're talking about when we say Kevin King is better than he was in the NFC Championship game. No kidding. Put me on the field after a three-hour bender at Old Country Buffet and I'd be better than Kevin King in the NFC Championship game. That's not an argument for anything. How about this? Is he good? You know how many games he graded out? Um... As, as good, which is 70s or above via PFF, two, all year, two. By the way, the Tampa Bay game was not his lowest grade. His game week 14 against Detroit, he got a 29 overall grade against Tampa was a 31. He's been 30 or lower as many times as he was 70 or higher, and his best game was a 74, barely even good. That's it. That's the best he did in all those games he played. The best he could muster was a 74 overall grade. That's not good, dude. That's just not good at all. So again, I'm fine with it. I really hope it's not $6 million because when I was going over it, it's like, you know, if we're going to bring him back fine, maybe like what, $4 million bucks? Five in my mind was like the top. Like $5 million is where I'm kind of at that point where I get it, but eek, this is six. I really want it to get below five and then make the rest incentive-based because anything incentive-based is great. If it's like $4 million up to six with incentives, you can't go wrong with that. Because if he earns it, he's well worth it. And if he doesn't, it's only $4 million. And at least there's a human being standing on that side of the field because it's going to be hard to beat teams when we have, you know, nobody standing over there. Am I excited about it? No, but I mean, there's there's really nobody else. There really isn't. I mean, there there are other guys, but they're not great. And there's a lot of risk when you don't know them and you don't know what they bring to the locker room and any of this kind of stuff. So whatever. I mean, look. The Packers are in a tough spot financially and clearly seem to make a decision. We want to bring back the exact same team that went to the NFC Championship game and see if we can build on that through the draft, on top of some of these guys growing a bit. Savage is still growing. Rashawn is still growing. we got to reshuffle the offensive line a little bit, and we'll see what we can add in the draft. we got A.J. Dillon taking on a bigger role. That's going to be pretty big, hopefully. Josiah DeGuaro is coming back. Hopefully that's a big factor. We just don't want to regress. We'll keep building. We're doing a good job building. We're doing a decent job drafting. As much as people want to get upset about it, the hit rate has been quite high, at least of the guys that we've been able to see. I mean, legitimately, one or two guys hitting in a draft is pretty common. The Packers have been exceeding that. I mean, they hit with, um, I mean, you could stretch it and say four guys out of like five that we saw. We never got to see our quarterback. A.J. Dillon was a hit. Josiah seemed to be a hit, but he got hurt. Kamal Martin, I thought, was very good. One of the highest-graded linebackers in football, and he was one of the last ones drafted, I mean, of the rookies. And you got one of the three um, offensive linemen that seemed to somewhat hit. 
And again, we haven't even seen some of the other guys. I mean, again, we drafted three offensive linemen. One was on the practice squad. Uh, Stepniak, I don't remember if he got hurt or what exactly happened, but we didn't really get a chance to see. I mean, they, they didn't get a lot of time because we have an offensive line. Now, I don't expect them all to be good, but the point is, when guys that we drafted got opportunities, they all did well. Who who played and was kind of trash? So, you know, I I know people are mad about the drafting and the strategy and all that, but the fact of the matter is what they've been able to do has been incredible. Now, I don't I don't necessarily like the situation we're in, but again, NFC Championship was what they did in year one. NFC Championship is what they did in year two. Some people are starting to ask me, like, at what point do we call these guys incompetent? The point at which they stop making it to the NFC Championship game. The point at which they miss the playoffs. When they ruin this thing so badly that they start sucking. Because they've been getting better every year. Year one. Year one was amazing. Year two was even better, but they fell off in the NFC Championship game. But they were legitimately, easily one of the best teams in football. I say we give them the opportunity to show that they didn't suddenly stop playing well that they forgot how to build a football team. Because again, what they've been able to do has been unbelievable. I don't get it. I don't necessarily understand it. I don't necessarily agree with it. I wouldn't have done it this way. I would have done things differently. I wouldn't have brought back Kevin. Probably wouldn't have brought back Aaron Jones. Probably would have signed Corey Lindsley. Preston Smith would have been gone, which would have been my fault because it turns out I could have kept him for the exact same amount of money as it would have cost to cut him. But he would have been gone. I would have probably extended Amos instead of restructuring Amos and I would have freed up even more money I just trust the guy. I think he's going to be great. And I trust that he's going to, you know, maybe just a year or two extra. Plus the guarantees mean, you know, if if we turn his two-year deal into a four-year, probably only three of those years were committed to him. Fourth year is kind of a, you know, we can let him go if things really fall off. But you know what? Again, I think we have to acknowledge they've kind of earned our trust. And, And a lot of the reasons that we get mad at them and say that they're incompetent and have lost our trust are kind of silly. Well, they drafted Jordan Love. So what? Is he bad? You don't even know if he's bad. You don't know that he's not the next Aaron Rodgers. We don't know that. It's been one year. We have no idea, well, he's not going to play because Aaron Rodgers is so good. Yes, he, he won the MVP last year. What did he do the year before that? Or the year before that? Or the year before that? He was far from the MVP. And there's no guarantee he wins the MVP again. This was the best year of his entire career, and we act like this is what Aaron Rodgers has always been. How could you idiots not know that this is what Aaron Rodgers has always been? Because he's never been this before. 2019, Aaron Rodgers was the ninth highest graded quarterback with an 81 overall grade. Well, eighth highest overall, ninth highest graded uh, thrower. Behind Derek Carr, Matt Stafford, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, um, Ryan Tannehill, and a bunch of others, but less offensive names than that. I know 2017 he got hurt, but of the games he played, he was ranked 13th. 2018's broken because PFF is still sleeping. But, I mean, that, that, that the point is, it's, you know... We just we say things that are a little unfair. They may be true to a small degree, but we take it way too far. How could you stupid people not know that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest? I don't know, because he hasn't been the greatest in like eight years. And now you, he was last year for sure, but you're lying if you're acting like you knew that was going to happen. I barely hinted toward it at the beginning of the season saying, you know, maybe year two of Matt LaFleur's system. You know, you never know. Things happen. Talking about John Elway and stuff. Hey, crazy stuff. You know, you never know. Sure enough, it worked. But Matt LaFleur didn't know it, I didn't know it, Brian Gutekunst didn't know it, and if you said you know it, you're just being a homer. You did not know. You knew it just like you know Kevin King is great when he's healthy, which is not true. Eternal optimist, that's great, I'm glad. And I'm, I, you've had a couple hits. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest, which showed itself in 2020. 
Um, you know, sticking by Devontae, that ended up panning out. Sticking by MVS was a massive fail. Sticking by Kevin King was a massive failure. I'm sure you've got plenty of others. Point is, there's no guarantees, man. And again, saying that, that the, the Packers organization has lost your trust is silly. You have a different opinion on how to handle the offseason, and so they suck? No, they suck when they play football and don't play well. The season hasn't started yet. And considering this is back-to-back NFC Championship football team, it's pretty bold to assume that this team isn't going anywhere and that they've, they've completely ruined the team because they brought back the exact same team all over again. Pretty unlikely. They paid a hefty sum to make sure that the team that you cheered for and loved last year is coming back again. There's nothing wrong, and there's nothing wrong with disagreeing, but let's not get crazy about it. I disagree. But I'm not going to take it to the extent of saying Gutekunst messed up and ruined this team. This is a guy that built this team in, in, in historic fashion. I mean, what they've done the last two years is unbelievable. And if we're going to get hung up on, yeah, but they lost, you're, you're, you're missing it by a mile. I have my concerns. I have my concerns about this thing finally falling apart because we're playing these games that teams play right before they fall apart. And I'm hoping they can kind of get it under control. Take it easy in free agency. It's kind of funny. The same people that are mad about what's going on are mad because we're not doing more in free agency. It's like, dude, you're, you're just throwing fire on this thing. If we're going to pull out of this, this death spiral, if we're going to pull out of this, it's going to be because we cool it with free agency. And to be honest, the easiest way to fix this is if we ended up moving on from Aaron Rodgers, which is another factor, and I'm not saying we should, but if he slips up a little bit, and if Jordan Love steps up and is similar to what happened before when Brett Favre left, and they had a couple years to watch Rodgers and realize this guy is special, it's not going to be a hard decision, because Rodgers is devastating the Packers financially. Again, that's the Packers' decision. They decided to pay him that. But that's the reality. And like I said before, as soon as he signed that contract, it was a great contract, very lucrative, but he put a target on his own back by signing that. He wants to be the highest paid quarterback. He wants all these things. You got it. And you also put a target on your back. So for him to march around like he's got a chip on his shoulder because of Jordan Love, dude, it's it's the money that you demanded. You put a target on your own back. You know you're an older quarterback. You know you haven't been playing up to your MVP standards lately, and then you demand the highest contract in history and 20% of the salary cap? You don't get to hold a chip. I'm sorry. No chip for you. Go play football. Play well. You keep your job. You make lots more money. That's the thing. That's what you got to do. When you're making that kind of money, pushing 40 years old, that's just the way it goes, dude. And maybe he doesn't have a chip, but I, you know, everyone seems to think he does. And maybe that's why he played better. All right, fine, whatever, great. But let's grow up a little bit. Like, you don't know how this works. When you take one-fifth of all the money that that team doles out, and you're going to complain that they're trying to find a replacement? Our cell phone bill was really, really high. You know what we did? We got a cheaper one. You know why? Because it's we only have so much money to spend, and I don't want that big of a percentage going to cell phones. Car insurance, same thing. We went out and found a broker. They found us a cheaper deal. We fired our old agent that we had had for many, many years because he's not my buddy. He's a nice guy. He sent us Christmas cards, but he charged me too much money. So he went bye-bye. I've got a finite amount of income. I want to do nice things. Brian Gutekunst, I I promise you, you think you're mad that you're watching free agency and the Packers are doing nothing? Imagine being Brian Gutekunst watching these free agents that he would just love to go out and buy, but he can't because he has no money. That's probably exactly what he was thinking when they drafted Jordan Love. We have no money. I wish we could have gotten J.J. Watt. I wish we could have paired Kenny Galladay with Devontae, but we can't because we don't have any money because we're paying $40 million to a quarterback. And the only reason I'm really highlighting it is because it's, 
it's sometimes, I won't say it's always, because, you know, I think that's an overused term. It's the same people. You don't know that it's the same people. But I know specifically some people who are the same people, who are the Jordan Love was the stupidest pick in the world, but are also the we should be doing something in free agency people. I'm sorry, those are incompatible philosophies. Aaron Rodgers is the reason we're not doing something in free agency. It's like, well, he should take a pay cut. No, he shouldn't. He should get as much money as he can, but be an adult enough to realize that that means he has a target on his back. You go earn that money. Good for you. You earned, and he went out and got MVP. That's what you got to do. And he did it. And guess what? Now he's not going anywhere. Because if he didn't, there would have been some questions. If he had a bad year again, kind of like 2019 was not very good, very iffy, very questionable, not throwing to checkdowns, making weird decisions, seemingly incompatible with this new system, like he just will not commit to it. If that happened again in 2020, which is probably, again, a big part of the reason why they drafted a quarterback, this guy is not committing. He's not doing what I'm asking him to do, and this thing is not working. 2020, he settled into it, he committed to it, and he tore it up. That's it. That's the whole story. You get to keep all your money if you keep playing at that level. You don't, though. It's not like Kevin King, right? Kevin King's taking up almost no money, right? He doesn't have to play at a high level because he's getting six million bucks. What do you have to do to earn six million dollars as a corner? I don't know. Breathe. But again, 20%, one-fifth of every dollar that the Packers have to allocate this year goes to Aaron Rodgers. You, there's a high standard, and there's a high responsibility for the Packers to find a way to get out of that because it's irresponsible. In a sense, drafting Jordan Love is a no-brainer. You have to be ready to move on it, the second you find an opportunity because this is unsustainable. And no, I'm not saying, again, it, it just comes down to his play. If he plays at that level, you can't move on. But we got to sacrifice other, other places. No more free agency. Guys, are, guys like Corey Lindsley, who should probably be getting another contract, are getting cut. It's just the way it goes. Anyways, I'm kind of dancing all over the place here. But, but uh, you know, Kevin's back, so we got that going on. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's the same team back. Um, what we need is a better defensive performance. I mean, re- really, when we, when we get down to it, that's all we're talking about. This was a very, very, very good team, but, but if we could just blend the 2019 defense and the 2020 offense, it's a pretty good team. Not that the 2019 defense was elite, but it seemed to have a little bit more fire to it. But at the same time, 2020 had some better aspects. Jair was way better. Amos and Savage, the DBs in general were better, including Kevin King. I mean, in terms of a play-to-play basis, he graded out worse and all that stuff. I understand he had some better, like, big-time games and more interceptions. But as far as, like, just not being horrific, not giving up a billion yards, I would say he was better. Yes, with the exception of the NFC Championship game. Yes, that was a horrific embarrassment. But if you can just be there and not allow a billion yards, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. Anyways, why don't we take a quick break? And um, first of all, I want to say thank you to Yancey, Yancey Lowe, jumping in on the Patreons. Very, very much appreciate everybody's support. Again, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as a dollar for an entire month at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You know, something I neglected to mention yesterday, this uh, new house that we're buying actually comes with an office. I get my very own office, not just sitting in the basement next to the furnace, although I don't know about noises in that office area. We'll have to see how that goes. But it's just, it's a room. It's a whole room that's all mine. And I got so many ideas about how to deck it out and all that stuff. But If you guys were just waiting for me to get my home office before you decided to jump on a dollar a month so that I could stay home and never leave, i.e. retire, um, you can go ahead and do that now. So if roughly uh, 2,500 of you want to jump on that dollar a month bandwagon, 3,000, 5,000, however many of you that listen, I believe there's about 16,000 that listen per month, 
if if all sixteen thousand you want to jump on, you know, go ahead. I could probably find a way to live on sixteen thousand dollars a month. I don't know. I have to check my my uh, you know property taxes and whatnot and how all that pans out. We'll, we'll try to make it work. Again, talk amongst yourselves. I know you guys all hang out together. Have your little Packernet podcast parties out there in Soho or whatever it is. Um, just talk about it. You know, when you have your next convention, maybe you all decide to jump on the dollar a month train. And if only 10,000 of you want to do it, eh, you know, fine, I'll deal with it. But uh, just, just letting you know, that's now a thing. I'm sure that was... <laughs> sure that was the deciding factor like i don't know he's just in a basement i'm not giving him money so you're now free to jump in on the patreon train we'll take a break and we'll be right back in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value jordan love card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so continuing on with looking at some of these Pro Day numbers, um, again, some pretty big programs here. Some of them did not get updated. I don't know if uh, we just don't have the numbers. Maybe I'll try to Google around and see if I can find out uh, what happened because three of the colleges, they don't have any numbers on here. But anyways, um, Alabama's the big one. Um, unfortunately, most of these guys are out of our range or we're just not interested. And there's, th- there's three guys, and all three of them are first-round picks, probably. Number one is Mac Jones. He may be around when the Packers are picking, but they're not going to pick Mac Jones, and I don't think he will um, go. And and most of this stuff is kind of useless. Outside of height and weight, um, nobody cares what a quarterback's vertical, broad jump, 40-time, short shuttle, three-cone is. I mean, unless it's Lamar Jackson, and then you're kind of curious about the athleticism aspect, but everybody knows Mac Jones is not athletic, so nobody cares. Then you've got cornerback Patrick Sertan, who is really, really impressive. And I'm kind of surprised because the draft fan community, not the draft media community, who has said Patrick Sertan is the best cornerback in college football basically since day one. 
I think Sean Wade kind of had that spot for like a second, but it was Wade and Sertan were right next to each other the whole time. Wade completely fell off because, you know, again, he just established himself as a slot guy and that's it. But Sertan has been the number one guy for a long, but the fan community is not super high on him. They don't really want him and he's been falling in a lot of mock drafts and whatnot, but he has been consistently, um, as far as his grades via PFF, he's extremely talented. Um, and even here, 95th percentile in height, 94th percentile in weight, 84th percentile arm length, 96th percentile hand size, 84th percentile in his vertical, uh, 92nd percentile in his broad jump, 84th percentile in his bench, 75th percentile in his 40 time, which was, so that's his worst attribute. And he ran a 4-4-2. <laughs> so the guy is really, really talented. Um, and obviously, again, he's been slipping a little bit in mock drafts, but I don't think he's going to slip in the draft. I tend to think he'll be the first one to go. I think the fan community starting to get excited about a couple other guys, um, specifically Caleb Farley. And actually, I, I lied. He did actually just on the consensus big board, just take over Patrick Sertan as the number nine guy. I don't I just don't think he goes. I could be wrong, um, but I just I think Patrick Sertan is the top guy out of Alabama. I just I just do. But we'll see. We'll see how that pans out. Um, again, I'm not going to go super into depth as far as PFF and everything else because he will not fall to the Packers. I don't even think he gets within trade-up uh, range of the Green Bay Packers. There's there's a big pile of guys that need corners. I don't think he makes it out of the top 10, but even if he does, you got a bunch of guys, um, the 49ers, you've got the Cardinals, you got a bunch of teams right in there, Dallas, that are looking for corners. So there's no way he he slides anywhere near the Packers. However, that brings us to Mr. Christian Barmore. Now, I have pretty much there you're gonna have a hard time finding an Alabama defensive tackle that I don't like you know Raekwon was my guy for two years straight he was like my top guy um I haven't really watched Christian Barmore which again is kind of my thing this year I don't know why I just I can't get into it I'm actually paying for a massive database that shows all 22 and a bunch of tape and everything else and I barely even utilize the thing but um I like him. I, I I like as far as what I can see about um, six foot four, three hundred and ten pounds, uh, arm length thirty four and five eighths inches, which is ninety first percentile. And I know it's not Mike Pettin anymore, but that was his whole thing, right? You get those guys with the big long arms so that you can kind of keep the offensive lineman off of you. You know, you extend your arms and and they can't get inside your chest, kind of thing. You can do a lot of stuff from there. But um, Barmore has played two years at Alabama. He played uh, about a I guess a half a year in 2019, because there's, there's so many guys in Alabama and you especially talk defensive line. There's so many guys in front of him, but he's, he's basically a talented guy that's been buried on the depth chart. He had an 88 overall grade in 2019, had 26 pressures out of 168 attempts. And again, you look at the sack numbers, which are fleeting and you see three sacks and it's like, eh, that's kind of garbage. Okay. But he played a half a season and he had 26 pressures out of 168 attempts. And by the way, he had an 83 overall run defense grade. So he's a good run defender who just so happens to get a bunch of pressures. That's 15.5%, by the way. And and to be honest, as far as college goes, that's not all that impressive. But if you look at the defensive tackles in this class, they all are just trash. Sorry, that's unfair. They're, they're, there's no good pass rushers. None. Statistically speaking, no. I'm, I'm, you know, again, in college, you can find guys that get 20%. Maybe not as much defensive tackles, but you'll find 15, 16, 17%. I mean, you know, back in the days of, of like when we got Rashawn, what was that, two years ago, when you had Christian Wilkins and those kinds of guys, 16, 17% for a defensive tackle was, there's several of them. Christian Barmore at 15%, I mean, he's like a second round pick that year. He might be a second round pick this year. I don't know. But um, compared to everybody else, it's he's far and away better. And there, there might be one or two other guys, but I don't know who they are that are getting 
I mean, it's hard to find guys more with more than 10% pressures in college of the guys that are there. So I just, I can't get excited about a lot of the uh, defensive tackles that are in this class. I know we need them. And there's some decent run defenders and, and nose tackle types if we want to go that route. But as far as just finding a legitimate pass rushing defensive tackle, if we feel like we need that, it's kind of Christian Barmore or bust. By the way, this past year, he graded out as a 90 overall, so his overall got higher. His run defense actually went lower, but he had a 91.5 pass rush grade, 39 pressures on 324 attempts, 8 sacks. Um, another the, the the second guy on this list as far as defensive tackles is Levi and Wuzurike, 31 pressures out of 277. The year prior was 26 out of 189, so he also has some pass rush ability. Um, and then number three is Davion Nixon, who I already talked about the other day. Not a good pass rusher. His stats are not good. Uh, number four, Jay Tufele. Uh, the guy is like 300 pounds. He had 26 pressures out of 368. The year before, 20 out of 286. He's sub-10% in college. Lim McNeil is a nose tackle, no chance. Marvin Wilson we talked about, he's not getting 10%. So, I mean, it's there's there's like two guys that can rush the passer in this entire draft class at defensive tackle, and it's Christian Barmore and Levi and Wuzurike. That's basically it. So it's a, it's a super weak class. Again, you can get a Lim McNeil who's just a Snacks Harrison who gives you no pass rush whatsoever, um, but he's a good run defender if you want to do that in the later rounds. But, um, I mean, just legitimate defensive tackles, uh, there's there's maybe two. Um, and then finally is uh, Mr. Rondale Moore, who I mentioned uh, yesterday is the only guy that I've kind of written about. And uh, I mean, the guy's a freak. I mean, he's 5'7", 180 pounds. So obviously, I mean, it's first percentile in height, ninth percentile in weight. Um, but <laughs> the guy has, he did 24 reps on the bench, 99th percentile. For a guy that's 5'7", 180. He, I mean, he, you want to talk about a gym rat. They actually just showed him. Um, I just talked about it yesterday. I was I flipping through Twitter, and they showed him um, squatting. And it's like, come on, man. I'm trying to do a podcast. His vertical is 42 and a half inches, which is 99th percentile. His 40 time was a 429, which is 98th percentile. A 429. Even though, it's, okay, well, it's a pro day. That does, okay, he's a 4'3", then. He's stupid fast. He's stupid explosive. He didn't do any agility drills, so maybe, you know, I don't know. But come on, Rondale Moore, you're going to tell me what? He's terrible in his agility? I doubt it. I don't know what the protocols are for, uh, you know, private workouts. Maybe they're just not doing them, but that would be one of them where it's like, just bring in Rondale. And again, this is the guy, not that mock drafts mean anything, but he is the most mocked player to the Packers, Rondale Moore. The guy's a freak. And maybe he'll be like the Jair, right? You know, it's like, well, we don't really take guys that are that small, so he's just he's just completely off our list. Well. Sometimes you make exceptions to your rules, because if you're looking for a guy with a uh, high spark score, goodness gracious. But uh, as far as grades, he's, you know, consistency. Three years, 88, 77, 80. You know, his first year was super freakish. And to be honest, he's really only played one full year, and that was the year in which his first year with an 88 overall grade. Um and part of that is due to COVID, and part of that has to do with injuries. Now, when you're when you're as short as he is, when you're as small as he is, and he actually came in smaller than expected, according to um, this little write-up here, they said he's five foot nine, one eighty, and is, has a bunch of injuries. He's not five nine; he's five seven. So he came in two inches shorter than what people were expecting. But he he missed um, eight eight games in 2019 due to a leg injury. So we're talking about a guy. So in 2018, again, his, he's a rookie, and he absolutely just tore it up, right? 154 targets, 114 receptions, 
1,258 yards, 11 yards per reception, 12 touchdowns. Not a lot of yards per reception because, again, he's kind of a slot guy, not a go-deep guy. 2019, he had a limited season, played like three games, but he had uh, 29 receptions for 385 yards, 13.3 yards per reception, two touchdowns, 77 overall grade. Then in 2020, again, played like three games, 35 receptions in three games, 270 yards, but no touchdown. I mean, his first game was week 12 against Minnesota. He was targeted 19 times and had 15 receptions for 116 yards. First game back, he missed a bunch in 2019. He missed almost the entire 2020 season. He comes back week 12 and gets 15 receptions for 116 yards. Just picks up like he never left. Next game, he had seven receptions for 76 yards, which is still fairly high volume. Any receiver getting seven receptions is probably, I mean, it's like Devontae. I mean, seven receptions is a decent day. Then week 14, his last game, he had 13 receptions out of 16 for 78 yards. I mean, he is just a monster when it comes to just, I mean, again, similar, kind of similar to Randall Cobb. He's a smaller guy that just gets a ton of quick little little targets. And by the way, that was almost unstoppable. Kind of like Devontae right now is unstoppable, and Jordy was kind of unstoppable with the back shoulder. Randall with those quick little slants. And it was it was ridiculous because he would he would just make a real quick move to the inside. He'd be wide open. And what felt like a two-yard pass, he'd end up getting nine yards on that. It's just, it's so quick and so fast and just so lethal. I, I, I'm leaning toward, I really doubt it. But, I mean, geez. Um, he does do a decent amount of, like, the jet sweep, end around, that kind of stuff. You got to go back to his one full season to see it. But um, we're talking about 21 attempts. Uh, 21 attempts, 213 yards, 10.1 yards per reception, rushing the ball. He had four carries over 10 yards while doing that. 5.9 yards after contact, 76 yards was his longest run. Um, on end of rounds, three carries for 19 yards. Jet sweeps were kind of his bread and butter, though. Does that get you excited just hearing that sentence? Jet sweeps in 2018, he did, let's see, 16 of them for nearly 200 yards and two touchdowns, five first downs, three carries over 10 yards, one carry for 76, 99 yards after contact. I mean, just three missed tackles forced. So yeah, he's a, he's a jet sweep guy for sure. But again, the biggest issue, and, and listen, if we're bringing back MVS and we're going to say that he's kind of our, our deep guy, we got to understand Rondell Moore is not, not at all a, a deep uh, receiver. He just, he really doesn't do it. It's not to say he can't because he has, but it's not his thing. I don't know. PFF is broke, but again, I went through this already before. He very, very rarely, I mean, it's, Something like in 2020, he had like one target, zero receptions beyond 20 yards. He has almost no targets even beyond 10 yards. Almost all of his work comes 10 yards or under. But again, I'm okay with that, depending on if, you know, if that's, if you're okay with a guy that really just dominates within 10 yards, you know, the quick routes, just kind of moving the sticks and keeping the momentum going, which I think is huge, especially for the Packers who have spent so much time, and Aaron Rodgers who have spent so much time trying to drive the ball down the field. You know, if you're willing to commit to kind of just, you know, building up to that. You know, remember, we got a great run game. We got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. We got Devontae Adams, who's really, really good at getting just a bunch of targets and kind of keeping the momentum going. You get a second guy that can just make sure that no matter what, we're moving down the field. This house loves making noises during the podcast. It is 5 o'clock, so I guess I should probably... Oh, good, and the furnace. And the furnace, great. Just just get the whole circus going here. But I, I like that. When you have two guys that are, are great options in terms of no matter what, we're going to do something. 
We're getting positive yards. We're not just going to be – I just hate seeing Aaron Rodgers dance around, dance around, dance around, dance around, nothing, throw it out, get a sack, whatever. I know we want the big play, and we'll get there. Devontae will get it eventually, or MVS will get it, or somebody will get it. Maybe Rondale will sneak out and get one or two. But if nothing else, it's just kind of like, you know, old school Patriots and Tom Brady, where it's just this frustrating thing where it's just another five yards, another eight yards, another four yards, three yards, 10 yards, four yards, seven yards, and they just bleed you down the field. I, I like it, man. I, and I understand there's injury issues, and it was kind of similar with Randall. There's durability issues. Is he, is he going to break down? How long can we actually use him? Are, are we going to even get him to a second contract? Are we going to be questioning whether we, you know, all those things. But, um, you know, I, I don't hate it. I really don't. Anyways, again, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastical day. Again, if you want to support the podcast, you can do so on Patreon. There are some other options in the description. Otherwise, um, I may have another opportunity. I've been talking with some of the guys that are already helping me out with some stuff, and I got some ideas, and that made me think of, of some other help that I could possibly use. So if you're kind of like a lot of people, you're just bored and you got a lot of free time and you're looking for something fun to do and you want to help out with the podcast, reach out. Otherwise, I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.